So tonight I'm launching our new series which is called Love in a Lockdown and in this series we're going to be exploring how do we love God, how do we love one another more and how do we encounter the love of God more in our situation in these uncharted territories. Now some of you are facing really really challenging times I know that some of you are living on your own and it's really testing you to be in such isolation and having such lack of contact with others. Some of you are missing that connection with the people that you love, you know, your girlfriends, your boyfriends, your family. Some of you are in communities, but they're not your preferred communities. Some of you have moved back to your family home and you feel like you've regressed a little bit and you're back to your childhood stage. Some of you are with housemates that are proving challenging and we know that at this moment in time there's a lot of domestic abuse happening as people are coping or not coping with the situations that they face. Because when we're in a lockdown like this, it raises up all those basic insecurities in us. You know, we're all looking to have our basic needs met, whether it's security, love and relationships, or just a sense of how we fulfill ourselves in this world. And a lot of people, they are worried. They're worried about whether their jobs are secure. They're worried if they can pay their bills, whether they'll have a roof over their head. Some of you are worried about your relatives. You may have frail elderly relatives who are in a high risk category. Some of you have lost people already. Some of you are worried about your own safety. And there are others that are thinking, well, what is going to happen in my future? Will I get that grad scheme? Will I get that job? What is going to happen in my future? And it throws up all of these insecurities for us at this time. Some of you watching tonight, you're Christians and you've been in church for a long time. And actually, this is an opportunity for you to explore your faith and go a bit deeper with God. And some of you watching tonight, well, you don't have a faith and you're asking yourself, well, is there something in this? Is there something in this message that I can take for myself that will help me and see me through this crisis? And I want you to know that if you take hold of this message, if you grasp it tonight, it could dramatically revolutionize your whole experience of this lockdown. If you take hold of my words, if you listen to what I say, they're gonna revolutionize it. And you actually could find yourself thinking, this lockdown, this season is, is a gift to me. It's a gift because it's allowed me to explore those things I might never have thought of looking into. I might never have considered faith had it not been for this situation. So stay in here, stay with this message. And I just really hope for all of you that it's something that will really impact your life and transform this whole experience for you. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I went, I went on the downs, I went for a walk because I was asking those questions. What is this all about? What is God trying to say to us in this season? And I was looking for some help, for some comfort, for some direction. And I said to God, I want you to speak to me. I want you to put into me some words that will help me to really align myself in your will and understand what it is that you're wanting from us, from your church, from our community. What is it you're looking for? Now, I believe as a Christian that God speaks to us. It's almost like just a little notion of some words that just drop into your mind, drop into your heart. And as I stood there on the downs during my daily walk, I felt the Lord speak to me these words, be still and know that I am God. Now I know these words, they're very familiar words. It's a phrase that is used a lot by Christians 
and it's sort of banded around from you know church to church house to house people have these words framed you know on their walls they have them on their mugs they put them on their bookmarks be still and know that i am god is such a popular phrase and it's a phrase that christians give to one another in times of difficulty now this verse actually comes from a very old ancient book it comes from the book of psalms now the Psalms, if you don't know the Bible very well, it's a book that's bang in the middle of the Bible. And it's a collection of poems and songs that were written for ancient Israel to help them to worship their God, to help them to experience and encounter and, and, and celebrate everything that God meant to them and help them to draw near to him in their worship and in their devotional life. It's an incredible book and they are beautiful pieces of poetry and beautiful uh, rhymes and verse. And so this particular verse comes from Psalm 46 and it's beautiful and it reads like this. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall, into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So I wanna start with that simple verse. Be still and know that I am God. And remind you that it is a verse that is given to Christians often in times of trouble. Now, we would consider ourselves right now in this moment in history, this is a time of trouble. But often people don't always identify well, what are the source of troubles that kind of plague the earth? You know, our trouble right now has come from a little place in China and it's so tiny, but has had the capacity to totally overturn the economies of so many nations. But when you ask people, when you ask people in the world, what are the sources of trouble? Where does the trouble of the world come from? It's really interesting what people will say. I was having a conversation with one of my relatives a few months ago, and he said to me, well, the cause of all troubles in the world has to be religion. If it weren't for religion, we wouldn't have any of the problems that we have in the world. And I was surprised. You know, he was a real John Lennonite. He believed, you know, there would be total peace in the world. You know, imagine all the people living in harmony if there wasn't this thing called religion that goes and spoils all our fun. It is really interesting what people think 
is trouble and where it emanates from. You know, I think a lot of people think that we live in this incredible utopia, which is spoiled by silly things like religion. They think that the world is a safe place. They think the world is, is under control of humans and that's what makes them secure and makes their lives happy. But actually that is, is not true. That is a falsehood. The reality is our world is not a safe place. It is not safe for millions and millions of people. We have people who starve on our planet. We have people that are ruled by tyrants. We have men and women trafficked. We have the slave trade. We have gross injustices. We have misery. We have abuse of women. Our world is not a safe place and it is far from a utopia. And that is the reality that we all live in. We don't live in a safe place. You know, we sometimes, we sometimes tell people that they don't have a right to be anxious about the world that they live in. I know loads of people who suffer with anxiety just because of the things that go on in the world that make them feel unsettled. And we give them pills and we say, you're not allowed to feel anxious because we live in this utopia. Everything's fine. You don't have the right to be anxious. But I say they do. We do have the right to be anxious because this is not a safe world. This is a world that is greatly troubled and throws up many, many challenges. There are challenges to our security. There are challenges to our relationships. There are challenges, many challenges, to the way that we want to fulfill ourselves, sometimes at the cost of others. We want to be great so that someone else has to be lesser. Do you know, most wars are fought nowadays over status and power and, and name and prestige. They're not fought over resources. There is a lot wrong in our world. There are people who wage war against each other because they don't trust that they are safe and they are secure. But what does God speak into this dystopia? What does God speak to us when we are in a world that is full of challenges and things that throw up our anxieties? Well, God says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. Let's look at that word, be still. You know, it's a really interesting word. Be still comes from the Hebrew word, rapha. And it doesn't mean what you think it means, like let's quieten ourselves, let's just meditate for a moment, you know, let's empty our minds and, and be, you know, totally empty and think of nothing. It doesn't mean that kind of a stillness. It's a bit more of a violent word. It's actually quite a powerful word. The first meaning of Rafa is cease, cease fighting, like putting down your weapons. It's the kind of word that I would use when I first arrived in my school a few years ago, where we had a lot of boys that would be fighting in the corridors. And because I didn't know any better, I would leap into the middle of the fight and I would throw out my hands from side to side and I would go, cease fighting, stop, put your weapons down. It was that Rafa, cease, stop. Do you know, I was very lucky. Boys actually do what you say. When they fight, they really do fight like gentlemen. But one lady once, told, uh, she told me in the school, she says, don't ever jump into a female fight. She said, you'll lose an eye. They don't fight with any rules. But boys, you're very, um, you're very disciplined. 
So Rafa has this meaning of cease, stop, lower your weapons and bring all warring to an end. It also has this meaning of coming to the end of your own strength, almost like to become faint, to weary, to exhaust. Rafa has this sense of you need to know when your limits are and bring all your human effort to a close. Human beings have finite capacities. We have finite resources. And sometimes we don't know when we should stop, when we need to bring an end to our activity and our striving, because actually we're going to make ourselves ill. We're going to wear ourselves out and exhaust ourselves out if we continue, continue, continue. And that rafa is that word of know when you come to the end, let yourself stop, cease from effort, cease from striving, bring your strength to an end. And that word rafa also means to weaken or to become helpless. Allow yourself to be helpless. You know, we don't really like to think of ourselves as helpless, do we? You know, Human society favours the strong, Darwin's survival of the fittest and all that. You know, we don't like to think of ourselves as not able, as not able to be self-sufficient, self-determining, self-reliant. We want to be strong. That whole notion of being helpless is really abhorrent to us. But it's absolutely essential if we want to do the second thing in that phrase, which is to know God. In fact, the imperatives is do this, be still, in order to know, become helpless, come to the end of your strength, cease from your fighting, in order that you may know, you may know God. You know, I think of the times when I've really encountered God and they weren't on the, the mountaintops, they weren't when I was having great success and feeling hugely strong and, and proud of my accomplishments. They were in the worst, most difficult, most challenging times. When my mother died, I met with God so powerfully. I remember having a, a, a scare, a, a, a brush with, with cancer straight after she died. And I was lying on that operating table waiting for surgery and I felt so terrified. And I met with God so powerfully. I remember when we as a family, we moved from Cobham and came to Bristol. We had no uh, security, we had no house. Philip had no job, we had nothing to support ourselves. We just came, but we felt God so powerfully. I remember losing my third child in a miscarriage and suffering that grief, but I met God so powerfully. When I was helpless, when I was weak, he came and I met with him and those were precious, precious moments in my life. But God just doesn't tell us to be still. He tells us to be still for this purpose, to encounter him, to know him. And that no word in the Hebrew is the word yada. And it's to know God experientially, to know him personally, to know him in the way that somebody has a relationship with somebody else and gets to know them because of how they behave, how they speak, who they are. God wants us to really, really know him. But you cannot know him if you don't weaken, if you're full of pride, if you're full of self-reliance and self-determination. It just won't happen. You need to bring that down. And what an amazing opportunity in this lockdown when you cannot determine your future, you cannot take matters into your own hands. 
What a great opportunity to weaken and to let God come in and speak to you. And let's look at this word to know again, this word yada that God speaks to know him. Now, if you want to see an example of how people get to know God, we need to go back into this psalm, this Psalm 46, and look at each of those stanzas because they are a description of how a people of God knew their God. They knew him. Why did they know him? It says they knew him as their refuge. You know, they didn't want to wage war anymore. They didn't want to battle and fight because they knew and trusted that God was their protector. They didn't need to defend themselves because he, he would defend them. They knew God as their refuge. It says they didn't need to strive and it didn't matter if they came to the end of their strength because they knew God as their strength. It didn't matter if they became helpless because they knew God as their ever-present help in trouble. They knew God to be faithful to uphold them. They knew they didn't need to strive, that he was there. And they knew him as present. You know, this is a really significant word, ever-present. Some of us think of God and we think of this aloof, remote entity that has no care for us, who is not near us who isn't present in our lives, but that actually isn't the truth. God is near, God is present. He is near us and present for us all the time. It's just we choose not to acknowledge him. We choose to be proud. We choose to be self-reliant and we ignore the fact that he is very present for us. It says that they will not fear. You know, we are facing a very, very uncertain time right now. But this psalmist says, I'm not going to fear, even if the earth give away, even the worst things that can happen on the earth, earthquakes, tsunamis, you know, if the sea comes forward and the waters roar and foam, even if mountains are thrown up and cast into the sea, he says, whatever calamity and catastrophe that I need to face or have to face, I know I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid of anything because our ever-present help is with us. That's how he knew God. He knew God in an unshakable way. Do you know the second stanza, it talks not about the earth. It moves, it shifts its focus. And it says, when you know God, there's something that wonderful that comes in. God does not separate himself from where he lives. You know, some of us have very weird notions of heaven. And we'll talk about heaven when we lose a loved one and we'll say, yes, they're up in heaven, smiling down. But I wonder how many people actually believe that heaven is a reality. It is a real, real place. It is the place where God dwells. And in the second stanza, this psalmist says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Rivers in the Bible are about the life of the Spirit, the life of God, which brings life to all those around him, that brings life to the city and the dwelling place of God. You know, God's holy city is where God's Holy Spirit dwells. And this psalmist is looking upwards and saying, now that I know God, now that I know him as my helper, I 
I know, I know his dwelling place. I know the place where he lives. And I know that's a place where I belong. I know I belong with him. I know that I am not an, a finite, a mortal being. I know that I will live with God forever, that he is an infinite creature, that he is immortal. And where he is, I will live with him. And his spirit will make me glad. He says, I will live within God's spirit. I will live within God's holy dwelling place. And that is a place that is so secure. The heavens and the city of God will never fall. It is a sure thing. It will never come under attack. It will never be subject to the things that rage the earth. It is a sure, eternal entity. Oh God. And the psalmist then returns back to the earth, but with a different perspective. He returns back to the earth in the last stanza with a heavenly perspective on human history. And he says this, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. The psalmist is saying, look at God. He has endured over the whole history of humanity. He's watched wars wage. He's watched wars and conflicts come and go. The psalmist says that God actually has brought those conflicts to the end. He has brought them to their finish, but he presides over all human history as this eternal being who is sovereign over it all. You know, God actually is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over all of us, every circumstance that we can possibly face. He is the eternal God who exists, who is sovereign, who is powerful, who breaks the bow, who breaks the spear. He brings all of our striving to its end. You know, humans can't possibly compete with God. This whole Psalm is about the frailty and the finite nature of humans compared to this omnipotent, omnipotent omniscient, all-powerful, eternal, immortal God who is sovereign over all. And this is this God whom the psalmist says at the end, be still and know that I am God. God is speaking at this point. He is making himself known to his humanity. And he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, there is a day when all of us will see God as he is. He will be this exalted, glorious one who we all get to see and behold and worship. This high and lifted up sovereign God over all humanity, over the heavens and the earth. This same God is the God who comes down to us and says, stop your fighting, cease your striving and know me. This same awesome God is the God who says, come and know me. I can be known by you. I can be known by you because I am present for you. I am here ever present for you to help you, to lift you up, to be your strength. I am here to be your fortress. 
your comforter. That is the God that we worship and that is the God we look to. And that is a God who promises in the midst of all calamity, trial, challenge, he's the God who comes to bring his peace and his refuge and his safety to us, to lift us out. Isn't it amazing? So this is my challenge to you. You who know God, deepen that knowledge of him, deepen that relationship with him. Come and find him as your refuge, as your strength, as your helper. And those of you who don't yet know God, seek him out. Ask him to reveal himself to you. The God of the universe, the God who sits in the heavenly realms, the eternal, powerful God, wants to make himself known to you. He wants to come and sit beside you. The huge, huge God will come down to be with his people. He longs for relationship. He longs to make himself known. All through the history of humanity, God has been seeking a relationship with his children. Make this a time in your life when you let him seek you out and you let yourself be found. Weaken yourself, let down your guard, drop your self-reliance, allow God to come in and make himself known to you. I want you to respond to this message in two ways. First of all, I want you to consider all the things that you are anxious about right now. I want you to think about these things that are really making you afraid. And I want you to quietly lay them all before God. All the things that you cannot control, all the things that you would strive to bring into fulfillment because you, you know you can't do anything about it. Bring them to God and bring them now so we can pray. And the second thing I'd like you to do is to ask God to reveal himself to you. In this corona crisis, ask God, the sovereign eternal one, to make himself known to you. Dear Lord, I come before you now. I give you all my fears, all my anxieties, all the things that make me afraid. Oh God, I bring each one of you to the foot of the cross, to God's feet. And Lord, I give them over to you. Here, take my worries. I cast them onto you, God. And Father, I want to know, to experience you for myself. And I ask that you would help me to know you in this time of lockdown, know you powerfully and intimately, know you as my helper, as my strength and my refuge. And this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.